Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I'm calling you back on Bucko Talk, filling in for a multitude of Bucko Talk hosts. Uh, joining me now, and we didn't forget about him. He thought we might have. Joining us now on the fan hotline, brought to you by the Workers' Compensation Law Firm of Holland Capitas, is our good friend Adam Barry from MLB.com. Adam, we didn't forget about you. It's just that when I have people like Hanrahan and, and Greg Brown on, I mean, I tend to talk to those guys a lot. So, so I'm looking forward to talking to you a lot now, too. I was going to say, I assume that this conversation is going to go 10 minutes long, Jim, and I can't wait. Actually, it might. Be careful what you wish for, Adam. Um, <laughs> I was just looking at, just kind of looking this up, not that I didn't know it, to be sure. But if memory serves... Recently, the Pirates have actually been decent in interleague games for whatever reason. They've had, I think they've had good interleague records right the last two or three years. And now yeah. they're 2-13. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and maybe that's why there are three teams in the American League Central Division that have really good records, uh, the White Sox, the Twins, and the Indians, courtesy of, uh, courtesy of our Pittsburgh Pirates. But, um, you know, last night, and I, I, I love the treatment that, that you did, the, that your rap on, on – on, on, on the MLB, you know, the MLB website, uh, encapsulating the game because to me, what's happening now, Greg Brown kind of talked about this too, is that these games have long since taken on a spring training feel to them in that, yep. you know, not just because of the way that they're played sometimes and sloppiness and so forth, but just because the final result doesn't matter all that much. It's about looking at individual performances. Would you agree? Yeah, that's exactly why I covered the game last night the way I did. Is you know looking at individual performances and trends that matter. You know, it's not that these games don't matter at all, even though they they're not really going to to matter in the standings at all for the Pirates, except for how close it gets them to the number one draft pick, which they're currently aligned for. But this is about next year, and this is about really probably not even next year, but the future beyond that. So, you know, what Cabrian Hayes does, and and how much you think you can build around him does matter. You know, the culture they're creating as far as uh, defense and fundamental baseball play, which has not been as good as they expected when Ben Charrington and Derek Shelton came in, that matters, and we haven't seen enough uh, of an improvement in that regard from them. You know, the Josh Bell and what he does to improve, uh, you know, his value, whether it's as a, as a pirate or as a trade piece, that matters. Stuff like that is sort of what you're watching for in these final, uh, you know, starting yesterday, 19 games in 17 days. That matters a lot more, honestly, than the final score and, you know, the particulars of, you know, what pitcher came in and gave up this run against this team because, I mean, you know, we're, we're past the point where the games and the results really matter for the significance of this season. So, yeah, I think if Brownie's calling it kind of like a spring training type atmosphere, that probably undersells the competitiveness and the, the need to uh, compete the way that they do right now just for guys to prove themselves. But 
in the sense that it's a testing ground, I think that's pretty accurate. And, you know, I was talking earlier kind of to myself about, about and, I, and I've, heard, I've heard all you guys talk about this, that, you know, how can you hold a major league manager responsible for, for a lack of fundamentals? Um, and I saw that there was a, there was a quote that, that you, you ran that Derek Shelton said after the game again yesterday. You were talking about, about Kevin Newman and the misplay that, that led to an earned run, which kind of wasn't, but the run that ended up making a difference when Bell hit a home run. But, you know, it's like he says, well, that can't happen. I mean, how many times has Derek Shelton talked about either base running or fielding or, you know, a pitcher that walks everybody and saying, well, that can't happen. And yet it continues to happen. What, what can these guys do about it? Yeah, I mean, it's this, this is why, like, I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing Derek Shelton talk about teaching points and, you know, working on stuff before games. But that's some of the most important stuff that's happening right now is, you know, the bullpen sessions they're throwing and the work that they're getting to show these are the mistakes you're making, these are the mistakes you cannot make, and not just at the upper level of the organization right now, because a lot of these guys won't be here the next time that they realistically can expect to be competitive, but it's taking it down to the lower levels and showing you know, the guys in the Altoona camp right now and the guys will be in A-ball when they come back next year. Like These are the fundamental mistakes we cannot make. This is the way that we need to do it, you know, the correct way, and this is the way that it's going to be taught from the top down. Because I think one problem, and it's not necessarily the fault of these players, I mean, these guys came up in a, in a time of baseball where it's more about showcases and you know home runs and how hard you can throw than it is about necessarily fundamental baseball. I think you'll probably hear somebody in every market where there's a major league team complaining about the decline in, fu- decline in fundamentals around the league right now. And that's probably just the product of this generation of baseball players. And that's fine. That's whatever. But you still need to clean it up. It still needs to be better. And I don't necessarily think the last regime – in the minor league system, did, did the best job of instilling that. They were worried about different things than they, you know, than just how to run the bases correctly, how to, you know, properly field ground balls at different positions. I think they were worried about, you know, more of the the man and you know the sort of military style stuff that they they used to instill, you know, the Hoka Hay stuff, than they were in the the proper fundamental baseball that that needs to be played. And I think the Pirates are dealing with that right now. And I do think that Shelton's very serious, and the coaching staff is taking it very seriously as far as to eradicate the mistakes that they've seen. So often, but sometimes it's going to take time. You know, time. You can't snap your fingers and eliminate base running mistakes, or you know, have everybody properly feel ground balls the way that they should. So I think it's going to take time, and that's another thing that this final stretch of the season is going to be about: is instilling that and making sure that it is the way that things are expected to be going forward. One of the weird things to me is is how Cole Tucker is now an outfielder, and yet Kevin Newman just can't. Whether it's shortstop or second base. Uh, it's got to be in his head because he can't be that bad. <clears throat> but he continues to make errors and misplays in the middle infield. And, you know, Tucker, next to Gonzalez, has to be their best fielder, right, of, of, of middle infielders that they have at their disposal. Um, yeah. Why did Newman – or how, how could Newman have gotten so bad so quickly? I honestly think it's just something about playing on the other side of the bag. I mean, you've seen – last year he was not a great defensive shortstop by any means, but he was a solid defensive shortstop. You know, I think the comparison to Jordy Mercer, that he makes all the plays you expect and maybe doesn't have the most dynamic range, is pretty fair. But for whatever reason, when you've moved him to second base, it's been a struggle. Or when he's moved to the other side of the bag while shifting as a shortstop, it's been a problem. And I don't know if that's just a product of a guy playing shortstop most of his life and, you know, being used to – that angle and the way that the ball comes off the bat there and, you know, the footwork and everything that's necessary over there. But, again, that's something that needs to be worked on if he's going to play second base as often as he apparently is with Gonzalez at shortstop and, like you said, maybe eventually Cole Tucker at shortstop, although we haven't seen any signs of that uh, anytime recently. So 
it is definitely something they need to address because, I mean, their ideal middle infield combination, if they can get Newman right, is probably Gonzalez or Tucker at shortstop and Newman at second just to maximize their range. And, you know, the range doesn't matter if you're not going to catch the balls that are hit directly at you, and that's kind of been a problem for Newman lately. You do wonder if it's in his head or if it's, you know, just something where he's having trouble with the preparation based on the, the way that he's moving back and forth from shortstop and second base and everything, but it definitely needs to be fixed because – and you saw last night where, yeah, that is an issue that needs to, that can't happen, as Derek Shelton would say. <laughs> I know, and, and yet it continues, too. I was talking to, uh, to, to Hanrahan earlier, and that was great. I love talking to him. Um, yeah. And so, of course, I asked about Blake Seedland, who we loved, in, mm-hmm. and we loved in Bradenton. And, I mean, if he's, I guess he's with, he's with, you know, this traveling taxi squad, and they have that doubleheader coming up in Cincinnati on Monday. You think there's a chance that we get a look at him here in the next few games? Shelton definitely said that there's a chance we'll see him before the end of the season, and I, I think we will. I think the rush to see him was probably based on that hype from spring training, which I understand. It's a guy who throws 99. You know, he looked like Baby Thor or whatever it was that Michael McHenry called him. Then he misses all of summer camp because he tests positive for COVID-19. He's a hard thrower. We've seen guys with big velocity come back with diminished velocity, and you worry about guys trying to overcompensate with their delivery. Uh, to create that velocity, getting themselves hurt, and then you know that being an injury that affects them not just in this year, which is already a lost year, but in the next year and the years beyond that, which actually do matter for evaluation and hopefully eventually competing. So I definitely understand the Pirates' caution with not rushing Cedarland straight up just because you know they don't like Dovidus Nevarowskis or whatever. Uh, but you want to see him at some point because if he's healthy, if he's able to pitch, you just want to see what that looks like against major league hitters, and you want to see let him see how his stuff plays and. Uh, you know, I think it's a potentially exciting arm that you want to be able to count on next year. So, sure, give him, you know, let him dip his toes in the water at some point here uh, late this season, you know, the final stretch of games, whether it's a, a doubleheader come up and make sure he gets an inning or just, you know, put him in there and schedule him every couple of days to pitch because it is a potentially exciting arm. And, you know, you would rather see guys like him or Nick Mears, you know, another relief prospect than a, a Dovidus Nevarowskis, who we've seen quite enough of, or a Tyler Bashler or somebody who's claimed off waivers. You know, you want to see these guys with upside coming up through your system that you're going to have for a while just to see if you can build a bullpen around these guys because one of the biggest problems this organization has had over recent years, really since the, the Tony Watson, Jared Hughes days, is the ability to develop its own relievers. And, you know, you, you have to develop bullpen help because, you know, if you're going to have to go out and get starters, which they've had to do lately, you know, to have or the last couple of years to have effective starting, you you need to develop your own pitching as a small market team, and they haven't done that even in the bullpen, uh, finding effective relievers. So yeah, you want to see a Blake Cedarland and Nick Mears come up and and be effective and claim down uh, you know lock down a spot. Yeah, I, well, I talked I talked with Joel earlier about about Hartley and some of the changes he made, and and he certainly mm-hmm. looks like a guy who's going to be a keeper uh, moving forward. But Adam, before we let you go, because it is going to turn out to be that you were on with, from with me for ten minutes. Um, is that Raul Mondesi finally contributed something positive to the Pirates by virtue of his son, um, who scored three runs last night. He hit a home run. The Royals have won four straight games. And so that kind of creates some distance between Kansas City and Pittsburgh in the Kumar Rocker um, derby. Yeah, and in fact, uh, the Royals really aren't even their top competition. It's the Rangers who have fallen back down. So far, 15 and 29 right now. The Red yeah. Sox who are 16 and 30, and the Diamondbacks who are 17 and 29. But currently, the Pirates are uh, in the lead, so to speak, for the number one spot. <laughs> and you know, I think with some of the competition they're going to have over the last 
a stretch of games here. You know, they have Cleveland, who's obviously competing for a spot. Uh, you know, they're going to have the Cubs and the, and the Reds and the Cardinals, who are all competing for spots. So, uh, you know, you, you might have to like the Pirates' chances in that one regard, at least. Until Rob Manfred decides, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we had a lottery? And then, That's the even other though part I was of it, born in like Boston yeah. and raised as a Red Sox fan, I do not want to see the Red Sox end up with a number one pick. I just right. don't. They, you know, the teams like that for, don't for, need to be in. Hmm? <laughs> That's the trouble of it for people who are saying, you know, tang for the number one pick and all this is that you don't, we don't actually know how the number one pick is going to be decided at this point. So, you know, you can hope all you want and wish for losses or whatever, but that doesn't guarantee necessarily that, that they're going to get the number one pick. You know, I would say keep your fingers crossed until they come out with a, an official announcement as far as how the draft is going to work because it's, uh, it's an unknown right now. A lot of unknowns. Adam, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. I know you were up late last night or actually early this morning. Always love chatting with you. We'll talk to you soon. Good talking to you, Jim. Take care. All right. Adam Barry, he does a really nice job. If, you do, if you're, you're missing out, if you don't read, and, and all the folks, you know, Jason Mackey, our Pirate Insider in the, in the Post-Gazette. And, and so you can, you know, everybody, all these guys do a really good job on the beat. Uh, but Adam has a nice way of, of kind of breaking it down, boom, 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 boom. And uh, like he said, well, last night's breakdown I thought was really good with three up, three down, and, you know, what's encouraging, and then, you know, some of the things that, that are still problems, which we, uh, which we just talked about. All right, we have another segment coming up. as uh, We're going to wrap things up. I, I, I saw a story here. I'm going to go over this. Not that it affects the Pirates, but it's just, you know, kind of weird, and everything is weird, uh, unprecedented, everything else. But apparently Major League Baseball has a plan for the postseason bubble. And also an update on, on Raul Mondesi as we wrap up Bucko Talk. I'm Jim Colony on 93.7 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.